data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, business leader, or just someone curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to uncover some specific ways you can leverage data to optimize your marketing decision-making. Joining us is Caitlin Wiggins, who is the marketing director at Liquefied Creative, which is an award-winning full-service advertising agency located in Annapolis, Maryland. Liquid Creative specializes in branding, marketing, and public relations, foregoing traditional ad agency department structures to allow for a truly holistic approach to client success. Today, Caitlin and I are going to discuss the role of data in marketing decision-making. Okay, here's my conversation with Caitlin Wiggins, Marketing Director at Liquefied Creative. Caitlin, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, let's dive into it. So the role of data in marketing decision-making, it's an interesting topic. Can we drill into some of the key decisions that marketers need to make? And then we can expand on that and look at how data can help make better decisions in those situations. Certainly, I do believe that data-driven decision-making is one of the key factors in any successful marketing strategy. I really think that the decisions that as marketers we need to make are ones that ultimately kind of increase the value that you're providing for a brand, a campaign, a client, whatever it may be you know, ultimately one that's really helping to drive conversions and ultimately revenue growth at the end of the day. Absolutely. Let's start with revenue growth at the top, the key prize here. And then let's break it down. What are some of the ways that marketers can drive revenue growth? Maybe we drill into some specific examples and then we'll look at how being data-driven can help us do better. Certainly. Well, I do believe that when you look at the bottom line, it's also about your operating expenses, all of that. But your marketing budget as an entity as a whole is really something that's going to drive your expansion and your growth. And like you just said, revenue growth. So when you're looking at the acquisition of new clients and also keeping your current client base engaged, or should I rather say customer in this specific example, it's something that your marketing is really going to drive is that engagement factor, like I just said, with new or with pre-existing. So your revenue growth can really come from launching new services or products, you know, getting new people to engage with ones that currently exist. And how do you get in front of people? It's through your marketing. It's through your advertising. It's through your communication strategy. Yep. You've talked about engagement. How can we measure engagement? It's quite a broad term definitely an interesting one to tap into because I think over the past few years, you know, even when I really started out in this field, everyone's talking about KPIs that are more in line with, you know, digital marketing-based, impression-based marketing, or how many times did somebody go on your website? And I've always felt that that's really not a good indicator of performance and how are you supposed to optimize a campaign and ultimately 
drive revenue. Now, engagement is something that has been brought more to the forefront over the past few years. And I think it is a great indicator of the humanistic side of your marketing. And, you know, kind of just to an anecdote, data can really give you so much insight into that human behavior side and human engagement side. Now, engagement can be anything from how long was somebody on the website after they clicked on an ad that they saw online? How is somebody engaging with the brand on social media? How is somebody, you know, engaging with, let's say it's e-commerce, putting something in their cart? Are they coming back to the website? Are they a repeat buyer? Engagement really drills down the interactive human part of it. It gives you a little bit more insight into like psychographics, demographics, all of that good stuff. And I think it really helps you make a lot more informed decision making and helps you cater and tailor your campaigns and ultimately optimize what you're putting in front of people. Yes. Let's go a bit deeper into engagement. So how can we separate what we might call vanity metrics? So someone likes a post or interacts with it versus coming back to your main point, the sort of engagement that's actually going to drive revenue. I think that vanity metrics can provide valuable insight, but we have to look at it from a way as at its core, what is telling you more valuable information to help you optimize your strategy. So a vanity metric, like you said, how many likes do I have? How many impressions did this ad serve? Sure, it can tell me that, you know, X amount of people saw it or could have seen it. But when we look at the engagement side, let's talk about some of those. It could be a comment on a post, like I just mentioned, you know, adding something to a cart, having a more, you know, for lack of a better word, engaged interaction in the buyer journey. So I think when you're really separating those metrics, you have to look at what's giving me more insight in optimizing my campaign. Because if I can, if you can tell me that this, you know, banner ad that I ran served X amount of impressions, it got X amount of clicks. Yeah, maybe I can A-B test my creative and all of that, but I'm not really getting quality insight and engagement into that. Whereas if I see a comment on maybe an, an ad that I'm running on social media, I might get more qualified feedback there. I might be able to see how that user has engaged. Are they engaging with other aspects of my brand on other platforms? Right. So this is really interesting. There's so much data, right, at our fingertips and platforms like uh, Google, Facebook, all the major advertising providers will give you loads and loads of data. How do we make sense of it and tie that data back to decision making? So we've got data from disparate sources, varying levels of quality. Some of it might be measuring vanity metrics or measuring the wrong things. How can we distill that down to something useful that we could use to take to, say, an executive or a decision maker to actually drive a good decision about our marketing spend? So I think that really comes into the concept of also your analytics and you know how you're looking at performance on different platforms and as a whole. So you know with analytics, right, we're measuring, analyzing, applying data to our marketing campaigns. So not really just tracking the results to prove ROI. I mean, truthfully, you could even say that data is rarely about the delivery metrics. It's really about the identifiable signals that we're relating to those human behaviors, kind of like we just talked about with engagement. Okay, 
some of our viewers and myself may be unsure about delivery metrics and what that means. So what is a delivery metric? And then what was the other type of metric that you mentioned? So I mentioned delivery metrics. And I think I said something about just measuring, analyzing and applying data to the marketing campaigns themselves. When I'm talking about delivery metrics, I'm really talking about how that ad reach that person and what kind of data we can apply from that. I could look at different KPIs sort of along the lines of, how, like we said, how many impressions did it serve? What was the time spent on the page? We can even get down to kind of attribution models. So if we're talking about the delivery metrics, it's just really about how that person engaged with your ad, what happened when it was served to them, and kind of different KPIs that you're looking at. I hope that answers it. Absolutely. Some great examples. So is it fair to say delivery metrics are often easy to get because the platforms are just going to be able to give us accurate numbers there? The challenge is going beyond simple delivery metrics to tie it back to the bottom line. A hundred percent. Yes, that's a great way to summarize it. It's, you know, you have those hard numbers on there and the platforms are great in giving them to you, like you mentioned, but it's how do we interpret those? I guess I could also say and justify them in a way, to decision makers that could help increase the marketing spend, like you said. I think it also helps to take those delivery metrics and look at them from more of a media mix standpoint or a marketing mix standpoint. I think it is helpful to take something like that and say, okay, so I ran you know, two different forms of creative. I put them on various different channels. Here was my starting budget. Now, let's look at the delivery metrics, the performance metrics, and ultimately the conversions. So yes, it got shown to this many people, but that doesn't matter unless a certain percentage of them converted to what you needed them to convert to. I could give you kind of just a firsthand example. We were working on a recruitment campaign for a client. So it was a, I guess we could really just call it like an omni-channel campaign. It really involved a large different mix of media, high dollar budget allotment. We were able to use a lot of data to initially inform the placement decisions and kind of inform that initial budget that we were proposing to the client. But at the end of the day, we don't want to be spending money if it's not resulting in anything, right? So we were able to take that report to the decision maker and say, here's where we put everything. Here's the different creative that was placed here. And I can tell you that this one performed better on initial delivery metrics. But if you look at that user journey, maybe a different creative performed on a different environment and resulted in more conversion factors. And to me, that is what is going to speak to the person that's approving the budget. So if I said, I'd like more money to go here and I have more justifiable points, even though you're seeing some really high initial data points or metrics, like, you know, a million people saw this ad, doesn't mean they all converted. If I have a more targeted platform, then I can go in and tell more of a story, I guess is what I'm getting at. I'm telling more of a story behind the data. And that story should justify the increase in spend. Perfect. Okay. Now it sounds like we're getting a little bit into an area that you mentioned before, which is attribution. From what I know, which is pretty limited on marketing analytics, this is one of the trickiest things to do well. So can you share with us 
some insights you might have on how to do attribution, how to attribute the final performance, the final conversion and dollar result back to different channels when it might be uncertain what the true source of that customer was. 100%. And to reiterate the point about them being a little tricky, you're not wrong in that. The way I like to kind of simplify marketing attribution models because there's different forms is it's really kind of a framework for analyzing, like you said, the touch points or the marketing channels that really should receive credit for the conversion. And at the end of the day, where should we be funneling more money into? I think it's also helpful to point that it can help us as marketers really define what strategies are going to be the most effective at driving both short-term and long-term conversions. So I think that it's also important to say that there's kind of different ways that we can look at attribution through the different channels that we're putting marketing out there. So like email marketing might be viewed in a different way in terms of attribution models as opposed to digital marketing. The ones that we kind of like to funnel it into are first click, last click. There's something that's kind of like a last non-direct interaction format. Linear. Wait, what is first click versus last click? So our first click is looking at that, let's just take a particular user. With first click, you're basically saying 100% of that conversion credit would be applied to the first marketing channel that the person engaged with. So if I had ads running on social media, maybe pre-roller video and a banner ad on a website, if they engaged with that social media ad first, it would be attributed to that. And with that last click attribution model is basically the opposite in a way. So it's giving credit to that last touch engagement action that the person had with your campaign. Okay, makes sense. And do you do more sophisticated attribution models where you do some weighting or application or basically spreading the revenue and the results across different channels? Can we go deeper than first click or last click? Certainly. And that's where my kind of personal, I guess, difficulty with attribution modeling is that there's such a mix and so many different touch points that people are being delivered these. And I can give you kind of an example is, I know in the in the beginning, when you're introducing us, you're also talking about how we do public relations as part of our firm. There is such valuable data and conversion action that comes from earned media. And that is media by definition that you're not necessarily paying for. So how do I put that into my attribution model, right? And looking at kind of a time decay attribution, you know, we're looking at that conversion credit and how it spreads across multiple events, but it also considers when each brand engagement occurred. So the interesting part there is I can look at if we are doing a campaign that relies heavily on earned media, let's say we are pitching a story or putting out a press release or secure an exclusive, I can look within my analytics platform and see if there's a spike in engagement at the same date as that release. Now, looking at that time decay model, I can also say, well, now that that person has seen you know, this information from 
a credible news source or a credible outlet that my target demo is engaging with, are they going to also be more likely to engage with my paid advertising if they see it come up while they're you know, online doing their day-to-day? If that makes sense. If that makes sense. Does this still rely on some level of tracking? Is it still making an assumption of digital? For example, you get your client a beautiful article in Forbes magazine, and then we're still trying to match the user that read that article to some future action that they take. I guess what I'm curious about is, could we say there's a category called no-click where it's just pure awareness, like uh, television advertising being a classic example, where we'll never be able to trace back the users at an individual level that saw it, but we still want to attribute the performance of that channel. A thousand percent. And it's interesting because you're correct that we can't trace back to that individual user. But, you know, the scary yet kind of exciting thing about TV advertising in today's day and age is whether we're, you know, looking at CTV or some sort of digital modeling, I am able to get demographic information, user information, when my ads were served, what were the most time and frequency. And like you said, it's really that awareness base, but I can still make, you know, assumptions based on trends. So if I see a flux of traffic to a landing page or a website that I've specifically advertised on a commercial and it's happening when I know that commercial is happening, it's really not any sort of click modeling. Like you said, it is awareness. And even if they're coming to that page and not making a conversion action right then, I still claim that as success because it gauged interest. And hopefully we continue to gauge that interest by kind of following them around in a digital journey, or it's just heightening their awareness to if they see more media coverage or something along those lines. Okay, so if we wanted to get more precise, we might say that people that engage with our ads or that organically engage with us, say on our website or some other platform, if they did that within X hours, let's say, of the broadcast of a TV ad, and we know there's a spike, Do we just make some assumptions and say, okay, we're going to guess that some proportion, perhaps if it's a big spike from 100 users a day to 1,000, perhaps we say most of those users must have come from the television ad. It's not perfect, but that's the best we can do. Absolutely. And I've seen success in doing that personally, because it's hard to drive or to kind of form alternate conclusions, you know, to attribute a spike that big in traffic when you are tracking your media, like you said, even if it's earned media. So if I'm just tracking brand mentions or media coverage, I feel it's a safe assumption to assume that, yes. Cool. Liquefied Creative also does public relations. Is part of that things like live events, like getting placements at conferences? Maybe it's earned slots or maybe it's paid slots. Yes, it is. We do a fair share of, I would say, trade show or event-based marketing or something along those lines. And it's interesting because there are a mix of different earned media opportunities that go along with that, especially kind of in the thought leadership category. And you can kind of draw some of the same 
conclusions off of opportunities like that, especially on social media. Okay, this is something I'm really interested in because conferences and events are a big channel for us at Story IQ. And I'm sure a lot of B2B companies are in a similar position. So unlike a television ad, we're not going to see a huge spike in inquiries, generally speaking. It's often the case at Story IQ, at least, where we've done a conference. And we might find out anecdotally months later, or sometimes even years later, that someone then reaches out to us because they liked what we had to say at the conference. How do you grapple with that challenge where you're basically dealing with a very small amount of data? So the way that I'd like to say, I guess, is get ahead of it. We had a client that kind of went through something similar and they came to us for some work with kind of just their awareness of their attendance of the conference, let's say, and how can they make some more immediate engagement conclusions or just summaries about how, you know, their time there sort of paid off. What we kind of did with that to combat that challenge is simple items like setting up a landing page specifically for the conference, putting out, you know, some owned media, so, you know, on social media, as well as a little bit of a budget behind some paid ads that go to, you know, whether it's the conference attendees or people that are specifically engaged in that whatever, you know, the conference is surrounding and driving action on that landing page. The hope is that they're scheduling a time for a one-on-one, but even if they're not, they know the person's there. They might be more inclined to check out the booth or something. Having that heavy social media presence and engagement of somebody saying on all of the applicable channels, we're here today. This is what we're doing. And in addition to that, encouraging the people attending to engage with others attending and well, now I guess, should I say, instead of tweeting at them, getting on threads and mentioning something about them, but you know, getting on LinkedIn, getting on Facebook, talking about other events that they're going to, securing speaking opportunities, thought leadership, maybe that company that's attending running a happy hour after putting out some sort of invite around that. So the short of it is, in that sense, we're able to collect a larger amount of data for that pre and during conference period so that we can have that conversion hopefully happen in a shorter time frame post conference because like you said prior some of our clients were just hoping i go to the conference somebody will see me the more you know eyes and ears i'm getting on what i'm doing that hopefully this will result in something and i can engage with somebody but This also kind of allows an opportunity for you to drive site traffic, for you to drive maybe social media followers, for you to just drive thought leadership in front of people that could be your potential clients or customers or whatnot, and then make more actionable conversion actions based off the data that you're collecting. I don't know if that's kind of the insight you're looking for there, but it's more of a way that we've found to combat that longer period of when you're hoping to gain data from an event like that. For sure. These are great ideas. Like the landing page specific to each event is such a quick win. I'm like, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. And we've seen it help. We've seen it help. Like even having something on there that's like a quick downloadable, you know, having something on there that says, give us your email and we'll give you this 
you know, like custom designed infographic that runs down who everybody that's going to be at the conference. I mean, it's something that is going to be useful to the people that are going to be attending. And, you know, having that email address is such a valuable piece of information to have considering hopefully people are giving you the correct one, but it can really be something that you can use to in all different channels, whether it's running at targeted ads, sending emails, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So it sounds like a big takeaway is make sure you actually get the data in the first place in order to be able to make data-driven decision-making with marketing. And in some of these edge cases, perhaps the way to do it is offer something of value that's going to entice people to give that email address. Yes, 100%. You got to speak to what is my potential client's challenge and how am I addressing it? And if you're addressing it in an authentic way, in a valuable way, in my point of view, they should want to give you their data or, you know, maybe at the end of the day, their business, because you're filling a need that they need to be filled in, you know, the business world or even down to e-com, any of those factors. That's great. So some great tips there. Anything else you wanted to add on the role of data in marketing decision making? I think really just the way that I usually like to sum it up is trying to use that data to tell a story. And it's really about looking into the intrinsic value of it. And how can you use that story to better allocate your resources? And in this sense, whether it be the time that it takes somebody to get the earned media or the money behind the paid ads, all of these factors will really give you good oversight on that data storytelling, and then ultimately helping you refine your messaging, even down to your creative. The data can help inform so many aspects of your marketing, down to your brand image, the way you engage, how your socials look. Give it a chance. Try to draw conclusions from your different channels, like we kind of talked about with that earned media. And I'd say at the end of the day, Get yourself some good analytics platforms and marketing platforms because great platforms are going to give you great insights and using factors such as AI today and everything, they can kind of draw those conclusions for you, which is the great part. Really? Yeah. What are some of those platforms that will be able to do that? So I can tell you now, like even we utilize MailChimp a lot for ourselves and our clients. So it's an email marketing platform and it is... A, it has so many different integrations. So if you do e-commerce, back to that, you can plug in your other channels. Like if you have a Shopify site or something like that, plug it all in. It can give you a beautiful picture of your data and even help you fine-tune marketing automation. And I think that's really the key there because if you don't have a whole team like us as an agency that's able to do all of these things day to day for you, automation can be your best friend. I'm not usually the biggest proponent of it. However, when you are on more of kind of a limited scale on a time and resources end, marketing automation can be great. And platforms such as MailChimp or, you know, we used to use a platform called Monster Insights. Sometimes it's kind of a Google Analytics alternative. Today's day and age, they're starting to automatically draw conclusions from your data for you and giving you suggestions on how to best optimize your performance surrounding that. 
That's awesome. We're actually using MailChimp. So a uh, takeaway I'm getting from this is a lot of the analytics and some of the data wrangling, some of the tedious stuff can increasingly be done with tech and with AI. And coming back to your big point before, what we're probably not going to be able to outsource to AI anytime soon is the telling a story and tying it back to a story a decision maker can relate to so that we actually scale up the right channels, put the budget in the right place. A thousand percent. There's something that human beings have to offer intrinsically that I'm not sure AI will ever be able to replace on that front of it. It's about drawing more of those empathetic conclusions from the data. Couldn't agree more. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Caitlin Wiggins, Marketing Director at Liquefied Creative for joining us today. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Caitlin and I are going to discuss utilizing analytics to drive effective campaigns. If you can't wait till our next episode and would like to learn more about Caitlin, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit her company website, liquefiedcreative.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com. We've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you want to share your most compelling use cases for data, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. You can also add me on LinkedIn. My name is Dominic Bohan and reach out to me directly. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's it for today. Remember that when it comes to data, less is more.